Good morning, Connecticut. And to our friends across the sound, it's John Boquette, Director of Public Affairs for Connoisseur Media. Thanks for tuning in to our award-winning public affairs program for the people, bringing you even more information to help address concerns in our communities tied to youth, the economy, public health and safety, aging, education, and the environment. Well, this morning we're going to open and close discussing a range of no-cost support services being provided to individuals throughout Connecticut who may be aging, disabled, or specifically who are suffering with multiple sclerosis. We'll open with a trio of in-studio guests from the Area Agency on Aging serving Southern Connecticut talking about three specific resource programs being offered to folks across the state. And we'll wrap up with a local MS certified nurse discussing a brand new program called MS One to One. In between, we'll hear from a couple of professional educators, passionate educators, who are leading a group of Connecticut Technical High School students through a NASA certified partnership that creates opportunities for these young innovators at Platt Technical High School as they build components that will actually be flown to and used at the International Space Station. We'll be back with these segments and more on the award-winning For the People with me, John Boquette, right after this reminder. Anyone seeking information on how to plan for future long-term care costs is invited to attend a public forum, The Missing Link in Retirement Planning, Why and When to Consider Long-Term Care Insurance. The forum will be held October 27th at the Jewish Community Center on Amity Road in Woodbridge. The program begins at 6 p.m. The state of Connecticut, in conjunction with the South Central Connecticut Area Agency on Aging, is presenting this free two-hour session to the general public, and no insurance sales will take place. To register for the program, call now, 800-547-3443, or visit ctpartnership.org. Well, as is our habit on our program and has been for uh, such a long time, we go to our friends at one of the uh, several area agencies on aging here in Connecticut to talk about some very important and topical things uh, that are going on on their radar. Uh, I am very pleased to have in studio with us uh, three representatives of the area on Area Agency on Aging of Southern Connecticut. Jane Wisolowski is with us, as well as uh, Dr. Bev Kidder and Susan Sondry. Uh, Jane is uh, with us here uh, to talk a little bit about Care Network Link. She is Director of Business Development for the uh, Area Agency. Uh, Dr. Beverly Kidder, who we're going to uh, start out uh, talking with, is going to give us a quick little overview of the work of the Area Agency on Aging of here, here in Southern Connecticut. And we're also going to check in with Susan, who is the Program Director of the Social Security Disability Assistance Unit at the agency uh, to talk a little bit about Social Security Disability Assistance. So thank you all for coming in today, and let's go to Dr. Bev. Thanks for coming in, Dr. Bev, and uh, tell us a little bit uh, quickly about uh, some of the great work that the Area Agency on Aging does and and I would imagine um, is, is shared amongst all the agencies of, on aging throughout and the state. There are a lot of commonalities. Thanks for having us, and sure. we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, our agency covers the 20 towns in south-central Connecticut, um, but as you point out, uh, comparable services are found throughout the state, but not all identical, and that's one of the things you'll see today the programs that we're featuring 
are some programs that are unique to our region um, in being pro- provided. Um, and they're programs that actually anyone in the state can access. So you don't have to be in our region for these two programs. So the agencies on aging provide us uh, an array of programs and services, some delivered directly by our agency, and that's some of the stuff that I would like to talk about that we do. And then others through uh, grants and contracts that the agencies award to many other community nonprofit organizations. Currently, our uh, agency is funding 24 nonprofits in the region to provide things like transportation, Meals on Wheels, housing assistance, a variety of services. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Uh, Today we want to really feature these two specialty programs, and I would like to talk for a little while about our traditional uh, direct service program. We have something called the Aging and Disability Resource Center, which I have the good fortune to um, be the director of, and I'd like to talk a little bit about that. Sure. Leah, let's hit a few buttons on the various services that you provide through the Resource Center. Okay. So we are predominantly an information service. Um, information and assistance and the assistance is a key piece because when we provide information to people about something we also offer the service of helping them actually access the programs and services Connecticut the the local towns and federally there are a lot of um, programs to assist people um, um, particularly low-income individuals uh, survive aging survive disabilities it's it's a challenge for people And unfortunately, people are not always aware of what's available. And even when they're aware, they lack the capacity to access the benefits, complications in applications. Mm. And uh, we don't make it easy for people to get help. uh, And that's a sad thing. Yeah, and I guess the integration of of having to do a lot of this stuff now on computer, which is so elementary and sort of intuitive for, uh, for younger folks, uh, who, who I often encounter and are quite surprised to find out that uh, that many of us uh, older folks are not fully up to that speed. Yes, my, my son is shocked that I went to school before there were computers because he had computers in his preschool. Yeah. Um, but that being said, it is not only even um, because we don't want to be ageist about it. It's not only that older people perhaps don't um, know how or have interest in it, but access Access comes with money. Internet costs money. Even if someone has a computer for free, um, they may not have the uh, money to keep the Internet running. So access becomes extremely important. That's one of the things we offer. Mm -hmm. So we have information counselors who field calls um, somewhere between 8 and 10,000 calls a year from older adults um, asking questions about my Medicare. What do I do about my Medicare? Mm-hmm. What do I do about enrolling? This is open enrollment right now for yes. Medicare D. Yep. Um, what do I do about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I get Meals on Wheels? How can I get food stamps? So we provide the information to people over the phone about that stuff. Mm-hmm. In addition, sometimes over the phone, we can actually complete applications with them. Some of the applications are online now, and we're able to help them with that sort of a service. Um, some folks, they just need more hands-on, and we have people come in. And in extreme cases, and it has to be extreme, we will go out and do a home visit for someone who can't possibly get into us, can't figure it out over the phone. And so we try not to leave anyone out there un- unserved. Okay. And are the services exclusively for older folks? No. Uh, for many years, uh, we've been around this 
this is, I guess, our 41st year, mm. um, we served only older adults, people over the age of 60. But about eight years ago, we began serving people with disabilities of all ages. Oh, great. And so we've been doing that now for quite a while. And I guess uh, caregivers are now coming into the realm of service. Yeah, ab- about 40% of all the people we serve are the caregivers of either someone with a disability or an older adult. Um, and um, oftentimes both older because it might be a spouse of an older adult, uh, someone caring for a partner with Alzheimer's disease and, mm. and so on. And are there fees for any access to uh, Disability Resource Center services? No. For any of the services that we provide that are information services through the Disability Resource Center, there are no charges at all. Excellent. Uh, How do folks get in touch? So they would contact us at the agency. We're 203-785-8533. If they are computer savvy, they can go online and contact us, and we respond by email. Most of our caregiver uh, calls come in actually through emails as mm-hmm. opposed to um, telephone contact, so they can reach us that way. There's also a statewide uh, number uh, for this service, which is um, 1-800-994-9442, and that will reach any um, uh person in any of the agencies on aging right. it and automatically routes I mean you. the bottom line to p- people call 211 and say I need my local area agency on aging uh, contact number they'll and they can give that to them right absolutely that's a simple quick uh, phone call three numbers yeah absolutely sure excellent uh, so we're going to move on actually I am going to have you turn that microphone over for Susan so we can then move to Jane Wisielowski she is director of business development at the area agency on aging serving southern Connecticut and the many communities here and we are here with Jane to talk about one of these great programs called Care Network Link. So uh, what's, the, uh, what's the story on carenetworklink.org, Jane? Uh, well, we uh, developed Care Network Link to help people stay uh, safely and securely in their home, in their own home. They want to age in place and, uh, and be as independent as possible. Mm-hmm. And, um, but sometimes in order to do that, they need services in the home. And, and that can be a big step for people, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to have somebody come into their home, their, 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 the privacy of their own home. And, um, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of trust sure. uh, that has to be developed. So we developed carenetworklink.org um, as a website where members can join for free. So people in the community can join for free. Um, there's no income requirements. We don't ask anything about income. Um, and uh, you, can, you can go on and log on, uh, sign up for your, for, for your loved ones, your, your, your parents, if, if they're not comfortable logging mm. on themselves. And you can go on to find providers that we've credentialed. And that's what makes us so unique is that we do the homework that everybody knows they should do before they, they hire somebody to come into the home. Mm. But a lot of times you're in a stressful situation and you just don't have the time and, and um, it takes a lot of energy and effort. And so we do that because that's what we're good at. We know we know what to look for in, in um, trustworthy providers. So we screen them for uh, their insurance. Do they have proper insurance? Um, what are their hiring uh, practices? Who are they hiring? Um, do they train the people well on um, uh, how to perform their jobs uh, professionally and, um, you know, courteously and mm. friendly? Um, Are there background checks involved oh, yes. on your end? Um, yes, we do background checks on the business owners. We do criminal background checks. And then we also do uh, financial screenings on the companies to make sure that they've been around 
that they've got good reputations. So we we do a lot of reference checks on Excellent. those companies um, before we allow them to be on our network. So that's what what makes us different than than other resources that you might find online. And sure, you could go and Google home care in Connecticut, hmm. but you're going to get a pretty one million nine hundred and sixty seven thousand <laughs> hits. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, going to be a lot. How about age restrictions or fees to join? Uh, there's no age restrictions and there's no fees uh, to join. You can go on carenetworklink.org mm-hmm. um, and and sign right up. And and not only is there not any fees, but by becoming a member, you get access to discounts on the services. So you do, you know, it is for for those people who are going to pay for, you know, privately pay for services in mm-hmm. their home. Um, and uh, but they will get a discount by using the providers that we have um, already credentialed on on the network. Okay, and I guess the final question is: is there is there uh, a geographical or a jurisdictional uh, uh, area that is this exclusive to the um, Southern Connecticut Agency, or is this a statewide initiative? No, this is a statewide in- initiative. So CareNetworkLink.org serves all towns in Connecticut. So whatever corner you might be in, and you know, some people might might be um, from out of, st- out of state that they're looking for help for their parents here in Connecticut, mm-hmm. um, and they they would be able to use this source. And and kind of like what we were saying about about Google, where you get so many yeah, um, overwhelming, uh, overwhelming. And and so many, whereas ours is much smaller, and you know that they're all good choices. Yeah, that's and the th- great and, thing. And the other thing is, you know, Google and, and search engines are fantastic, but these days they need to make money too. And a lot of the ways they make money is by prioritizing the hits that you get that you that you may think are just the uh, the odd ones or the most popular ones, and usually on the first few pages of these hits. Uh, on these web searches, these are uh, agencies that may be paying to be placed in that priority. So you may be uh, not getting the agency that Google thinks is the best, uh, but that Google uh, has received a fee to place in the top of the hit range. So um, it, it's always good to call somebody who, uh, and like uh, like. Um, Care network link that doesn't have that, uh, uh, you know, folks coming to you saying, well, for, uh, you know, $5,000, <laughs> you make sure you tell everybody our agency is the first one that they should call. So that's, that's right. Fantastic. That's right. Good. Uh, Susan, I'm just going to ask you to pull the microphone up nice and close while I uh, wax uh, phil- philosophically and uh, and positively about uh, the social security uh, a- a organization, we we actually had a, a radio handbook, uh, a two part radio handbook on on social security uh, administration uh, a few months back, and uh, now I'm glad that you're here to talk and focus in on uh, social security disability assistance. It's an element that we touched upon uh, in our radio interview a few months ago, but uh, now we can uh, highly localize it to the folks who may need it most. So uh, tell me a little bit about the kind of help that you can give to people that are applying for Social Security disability benefits. First of all, John, I did listen to that segment, and it was a a great segment with your representative from Social Security. Yes, it was great. What we do is uh, we help individuals, as the program says, get disability benefits. That includes disability benefits and SSI benefits. So what we can do for them that they might not be able to do for themselves is gather their medical records evaluate their case, make sure that all the paperwork is filed on time and accurately, and if necessary, go to a hearing with them, guide them through that hearing, make sure they understand what it is that's going on, and help them generally through that process. 
Excellent. Uh, so uh, this is part of the Agency on Aging uh, of South Central Connecticut. But uh, once again, uh, age restrictions or geographical restrictions, or is this something that's statewide through all the agencies? No age restrictions, no geographical restrictions. Because we're the only agency on aging in Connecticut to have this kind of a program, we're able to service clients all over the state and of all ages. We're not limited to 60 and up. Okay. And what's the difference between the types of services that they might get through the Social Security Disability Assistance Initiative at the Agency on Aging and and something that folks might get from either a private attorney or an advocacy or advocate uh, uh, consultant? Well, the services are basically the same, but because we're a nonprofit, the way that we provide them is a bit different. We focus on that individualized service so that people will have the same representative throughout the process. And we also have other uh, resources within the agency that they can access while they're waiting for benefits to help them get through that tough period. Great. And uh, charge for the service? There's no upfront fee, and there's a fee only if we win the case. The fee is based on the past due benefits for the claimant and the claimant's family. And because we're a nonprofit, we can offer a sliding ski fail, ski, a sliding fee scale, fee scale. and um, we can also offer other discounts that they may not get to help them out and let them get more of their benefits in the end. Fantastic. Uh, So where can someone get more information about Social Security Disability Assistance with the uh, Area Agencies on Aging? Well, what they can do is they can call us directly. Our number is 203-752-2959. Or they can go to the um, agency website, www.aoascc.org. There's a Social Security section. And they can actually send us an email about the, their needs. We'll respond to them. Um, or they can come into the office. Just call us. We'll make an appointment. Excellent. And for folks listening, once again, uh, if you didn't get the email address, you can always go to a search engine and just put Connecticut Area Agency on Aging, and it will undoubtedly deliver the top hit or hits uh, on the agencies that might be serving your uh, area where you live. Uh, or you can always get on the phone and just call 211 and ask for a referral to your local area agency on aging uh, here in Connecticut, and, uh, and I would imagine anywhere where folks might be listening to our broadcast. I want to thank our, uh, our, our guests today for quickly moving through this material and, and keeping right on time. Uh, Dr. Beverly Kidder talking about the Aging and Disability Resource Center. Uh, she's the director of that uh, initiative at the agency. Uh, representing Care Network Link, Jane Wazielowski, who's also director of business development at this uh, Southern Connecticut agency and uh, our last guest Susan uh, Sandri a program director for the Social Security Disability Assistance Program uh, ladies thanks for coming in great information today and uh, undoubtedly timeless so we'll be able to even replay this interview perhaps a, a few weeks or months down the road to remind folks of all these great services through uh, not just uh, one but uh, shared amongst all folks throughout the state uh, thanks to the area agency on aging serving Southern Connecticut thanks folks thanks. Well, as we uh, teased you about 
on the introduction. Uh, when we talk about uh, the vast reaches of space, uh, and then we bring it all back down right back here to Connecticut and uh, an incredible program uh, and partnership that's been announced, well, it, it, it gives me great excitement. Regular listeners to the program and longtime listeners know that we've been reporting on the Connecticut State Technical High School system and all the great work they do and the fantastic students that they turn out for well over a quarter century. So it was with uh, extreme pleasure that I received note that Platt Technical High School in Milford had j- has just joined forces with NASA and the High School Students United with NASA, uh, a program called Hunch, uh, to create hardware uh, and, and to manufacture components for the International Space Station. So I'm excited to be on the line uh, on the speaker with Platt Tech Principal Scott Zito and Dave Tuttle, who's a department head for the manufacturing program uh, in the Connecticut uh, Technical School System and uh, at Platt. So, gentlemen, thanks for joining us on the program. Uh, and first of all, before we get into the meat of this discussion, um, just uh, if you would, um, uh, Principal Zito, give, give me a little bit of an overview about where Platt Tech is today in terms of uh, being such um, a viable resource for uh, the manufacturers, not just here in Connecticut, but really uh, globally? Well, at the moment, Platt Tech is what I believe to be at the high end of uh, instruction in the manufacturing field, especially in the state of Connecticut and throughout the country. Our students are working with five-axis CNC program machines. Uh, they're learning computer programming, they're learning to work in an integrated environment uh, and in a team environment with with other trade areas uh, for design as in computer-aided drafting. We can move from prototyping to 3D printers uh, to actually producing products on major CNC machines. And it's uh, an exceptional program. We also have links to higher education and we have an excellent team. Can you talk a little bit about students who uh, the difference between students who come into the into Platt and some of the other programs throughout the Connecticut State Technical High School system that have um, these resources available to them um, who are looking for a career uh, and 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 discover uh, that manufacturing is an extremely uh, viable and engaging career pursuit versus the the students who really have a firm idea that that's the line of uh, work or career that they want to go into. Uh, do you have a lot of, of young students who are coming into the system still kind of uh, looking for the path that they want to take and then um, discovering? That manufacturing and related technologies are uh, are that you know that goal. Well, we do have some students that come in that still need to make a decision on what their career path is going to be, and some students just acclimate and elevate to manufacturing because it's really hands-on and it's also very technical. Uh, as you alluded to, some students know when they come in the door that they want to go into a particular trade area like manufacturing, and that may be based on uh, familial ties. They may come from a family where people were 
previously in manufacturing, especially in an area uh, like Milford, where we're surrounded by the aerospace industry. But I think as, as time goes on, we run what's called an exploratory program where we allow our students access to all of our trade areas, and they spend some time to really decide what path they want to take. And for some students, uh, I'm sorry to say that manufacturing, uh, what it really is today is sometimes misunderstood because sometimes students will have a preconceived notion or the parents might that uh, it's an old tool shop, but nowadays when you walk in, you see the type of equipment and the amount of expertise it takes uh, Manufacturing is really a high-end technical industry, and to me it's one of the most important areas for our nation because it's going to boost us economically as a state and as a nation. Well, uh, uh, let's bring in Dave Tuttle's voice. As we said, Dave's the department head for the manufacturing program. And, Dave, I understand um, that you have a background in the aerospace industry, so you can certainly speak to the resource that the um, Platt and Connecticut Technical uh, High School students uh, bring to the table upon graduation um, when they're looking across the landscape of jobs, perhaps in the aerospace industry. Um, Let's talk a little bit about how uh, Platt and the uh, programs in the Connecticut Technical High School system are uh, really making some of these students uh, ideally prepared and uh, very viable candidates for fast-tracking into jobs in, in these really high-tech uh, 21st century fields. Well, Connecticut, um, which I'm sure a lot of people know, is, a, is an aerospace hub um, within our whole country. It seems to constantly be focusing back here between Pratt Whitney and Sikorsky, um, even Boeing has parts manufactured in Connecticut, and NASA certainly does. Um, so we're there's a lot of career opportunities for our graduates to go into suppliers and vendors to the UTC companies, as well as Boeing, um, even Lockheed. Uh, a lot of these places are using Connecticut companies to manufacture components. With that, um, our school system has made major investments. Um, with support of the state legislature in um, updating all the equipment statewide in all of the programs. Um, we're very fortunate. Back in 2007, we started uh, a revival in our program with support from Rosa DeLauro and from the Department of Education in Washington with um, a major investment from them, and we started purchasing CNC machines. When we did, we did it with the approval of the manufacturers. Um, I had invited in the medical and aerospace manufacturers from all over the region told them we had this money available, and they're the ones who decided um, not only on the equipment, but they also decided on the curriculum and what to teach. So um, we, our goal is to teach exactly what the employers are looking for, which allows the students not just to come in at an entry level, but to also come in above entry level. And, and, I'm sorry. And so you were so you worked for uh, in the aerospace industry for almost two decades uh, yep. with Sikorsky, right? Yeah, I was at Sikorsky for 17 years. I, I walked in there right out of high school because um, I went through a machine shop program at Seymour High. And in 1983, um, with within a week and a half, I was hired at Sikorsky, and I ended up working as a technician for the engineering labs. Um, and I left 
there in 99 to become a teacher here. And so uh, do you still keep in touch with uh, with folks at Sikorsky? Oh, to, oh yeah. They're still my friends and neighbors. And what do you, what do you hear uh, about uh, some of the students that you've uh, helped move through the program through graduation and into uh, work at Sikorsky? Uh, well, most of them, a few of them did go to work at Sikorsky, but I would say a majority of our graduates go to work for the subcontractors of Sikorsky. Um, which are all over um, everywhere from the havens down to Bridgeport into the valley. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all doing very well. Um, they have uh, great jobs. They own homes. They have all the security and freedom that we kind of hope they would have. Um, and, and with that, usually in the aerospace industry, you tend to get really good benefits as well. And so they're living the dream. Um, they, they were able to experience the things that I was able to experience as a young man, and that's, that's what we hope for them is, that, that freedom to go and um, own a nice home and drive a nice car and uh, and pay their taxes like we all do. Yeah, and have a really progressive uh, career uh, yeah. that, that has and, opportunities and the well into the aerospace industry is constantly, constantly advancing by the month. Um, the technology used on aircraft, the technology used to produce aircraft is, is, is constantly changing. What's happening right now will be obsolete in a very short period of time. And so, um, you know, the technology to manufacture products for the aerospace industry, which are usually intensely complex. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, companies, when they used to spend $30,000 on a machine, now they're spending $400,000 on a machine, and they're producing complex components hands-off. Excellent. So it's very advanced computer software, which we, all, we have here. Um, we run SolidWorks and MasterCam X9 in both our uh, machining program as well as our CAD programs. So we have state-of-the-art software here that the, the companies use. We're not behind the times in any way, shape, or form to them. We're mm-hmm. equal. Um, we Obviously, we can't buy the, the size and the level machine that they can buy, but we still have a great inventory of tooling and equipment and software and computers that matches them matches the manufacturer's inventory as well. Well, it's great news. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk about this HUNCH program, this partnership between uh, high schools united with NASA to create hardware and the role that the Platt Technical High School students in Milford are going to play in equipping the International Space Station. We're going to be back. Uh, stick with us after this break. Uh, this is going to be a great conversation. We'll be back with Principal Scott Zito and Dave Tuttle, the Department Head for Manuscript manufacturing at Platt Tech. Do you love Connecticut? If you do, there are hundreds of nonprofit agencies, community groups, and grassroots causes that would love to have your support. You can learn about many of them through Love CT. Just go to our radio station website, hit the event guide tab, and click on to Love CT to help the many causes supported by Connoisseur Media. I'm Director of Public Affairs, John Voquette. We'll be back to the award-winning For the People right after this news. Are you casting your vote this year? Don't forget your Girl Scout cookies. Girl Scouts in Connecticut will be hosting statewide cookie booths with everyone's favorite at a variety of locations starting on October 31st and running through Election Day to Sunday, November 8th. For those not interested in buying cookies, many booths will be offering an opportunity to support service women and men by donating cookies as part of the Girl Scouts Cookies for Heroes program. Cookies are a great way to thank those who serve our country overseas and at home. For more information on the Girl Scout Cookie program, visit gsofct.org. 
Well, thanks for sticking with us. We're back with Principal Scott Zito and Dave Tuttle, the Department Head for Manufacturing at the Platt Technical High School in Milford, one of the many Connecticut State Technical High Schools uh, who has just joined forces with NASA and uh, the high school students united with NASA to create hardware, the Hunch program, to manufacture components for the International Space Station. So, uh, Scott, uh, Principal Zito, tell us how the Wheel of Fortune spun around to Platt Tech. I'm going to hand this one to Dave. Oh, okay, Dave, uh, sure. uh, Basically, one of our um, vendors in the state that we work with is Sells Educational Equipment, he had heard about the Hunch program. He just forwarded an email to me. He says, hey, Dave, you should check this out. He says, it's uh, pretty cool stuff, and, and I have no doubt that in your program you could do it. I read up on it a little bit. I emailed the contact person who was a gentleman down in Texas, and he immediately responded that they were desperately looking for some more schools to make components, sent up a batch of drawings. Um, I went over them, and I said, yeah, I could certainly do these with the kids. We have the machines. We have the technology to do it. Um, then I received a phone call from a gentleman in uh, Maryland who's in the NASA office there, he came up and visited us, looked at our equipment, looked at our hardware. He said it's probably one of the most well-equipped high schools, if not the best he's ever seen. Uh, he says he goes into some companies, they don't have the equipment we have. So hmm. that, that was a good feeling. But um, most importantly is that uh, they're willing to work with the schools. Um, our system's willing to work with NASA. It's going to be a great partnership, great experience for the students But it's all about networking. Um, I wouldn't even have known about it if one of the vendors to the state hadn't said, hey, check into this. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know it existed. So, well. Um, and and so uh, you know one of the one of the key things I know uh, that that you did want to uh, reinforce Scott is uh, the the team environment that really has to happen in order to create this uh, successful system uh, between uh, you know the plans and the specs and then uh, you know getting it on paper and then uh, t- turning out prototypes and then finally uh, getting to the point where the items that are being created at Platt Tech are actually uh, manufactured and will eventually be delivered to the space station? Uh, At Platt, we have a number of trades, but one of them is computer-aided drafting, and actually that shop is adjacent to manufacturing. The students in that shop will be working on design drawings, and they are very high-tech as well. They have 3D printers. Uh, and advanced programs for design. And a lot of the students that come out of the uh, CAD shop are well-versed and ready to go into pre-engineering. They will be working in tandem uh, with the manufacturing department and the students, and it's great to see shops working together uh, because at NASA or at any major manufacturer, in order to put out a product, it takes a team from idea conception through design to fabrication and manufacturing. And that's the type of environment we want to set up so that our students uh, not only work within their own discipline, but are able to integrate with the other disciplines. Okay. And and to both of you, is Platt's involvement with the Hunch program, is this sort of a, a beginning, middle, and end, and then it's over? Or now that you're in it, 
you can continue to work uh, with NASA, um, potentially, uh, you know, going forward uh, with with the, without the program sunsetting. We're hoping that it's continuous. Uh, the program has been in, in process for a number of years, and every year, Hunch has recognition ceremonies at Johnson Space Center and. Uh, the Marshall Space Flight Center. So we're hoping that this is something that we can proliferate and, and, and continue because it's a great activity and a great learning experience for our students. Excellent. Uh, so uh, uh, Dave or, or Scott, uh, jump right in here and, and tell me how, at what point in the educational process in, in the four-year program uh, do the students uh, have the opportunity to get in on this uh, Hunch initiative um, and do, is it open to any student who's interested? Do they have to qualify in some way by by grades or expertise? Um, uh, and who are these students that are going to be manufacturing parts for the International Space Station? Well, um, they're going to be primarily 11th and 12th graders. Um, they're, they're, no one's going to be omitted from the process. Whoever's in the class is going to be involved with it. Uh, if, even if we only have the products running on one or two pieces of equipment, um, we're going to need students to act as inspectors, record keepers. So they're going to rotate through uh, different job descriptions that it takes to produce these components. The students in the CAD program are going to be taking, which are basically roughly 18-year-old drawings from NASA, and they're going to update them into the SOLIDWORKS platform. And, and SOLIDWORKS is a, is a desired program for students or anybody to know going into a manufacturing facility as well as MasterCam. And the students in the CAD program are incredibly well-versed in it. So they're going to take the old drawings, they're going to update them to modern standard drawings, um, and not, not because it's going to change how we make the parts, but it's just a great experience for those kids to work with NASA designs and NASA people um, to update it. And I have a feeling that if, as well as those kids are, as smart as those kids are, they'll probably... NASA will ask them to do it to others as well, probably. As far as the machine shop kids go, um, and I hesitate calling them kids because they yeah. shouldn't, right. but um, they're, they're going to be handling all kinds of things. They're going to know what it's like to work in aerospace, um, and the, there's high levels of responsibility, accountability, record-keeping, um, tolerance, and accuracy, uh, right down to in, a very in-depth inspection reports, which is another career path our students have is going into quality control and quality assurance. So they're going to have to experience it all. Um, we have uh, 20, 22 kids in our senior class and 19 in our junior class. Um, and at any given time, probably a third of the class on any given day will be involved in working with it and dealing with it. And, and I'm going to have to work side by side with them because some of the work is very complex. So um, it's not something we're just going to rush into and hit a start button. We may take a few days developing setups, work-holding techniques, because the, these are not basic parts. They're complex. Mm. So uh, I guess the last question to ask in the last couple of minutes that we have with you guys from, uh, from Plat Tech is uh, when all is said and done in this chapter of uh, Platt's involvement with the Hunch program uh, is over. What will the products be that will be ma manufactured uh, or designed by these students that will end up in the International Space Station? Uh, what they are basically are is they're called lockers, um, and it, anything that's involved in flight has to be very strong but very, very light. So 
So we're going to be taking billet aluminum, which is two inches thick, and by the time we're done with the product, it's probably going to reduce the weight by 95%, um, which is common aerospace. These lockers are going to be assembled, um, if not here, assembled probably in another school somewhere, because uh, there are um, aircraft mechanics schools all over the place. So they're going to assemble it, and it's going to hold cargo, go into a rocket, and get sent up to the space station. So it's going to be for transporting things from here up there, um, and it most likely will be used for storing items there as well. So it's like, uh, it look, if you can imagine looking at a, uh, an aluminum suitcase, it almost looks like that. It's about the size of a microwave oven, um, and it's, it's going to be very strong, very, very lightweight, um, and it's got to, you know, anything that they're going to launch into space can't be heavy. Excellent. Well, this is such exciting news, and I'm so glad you guys got in touch with us uh, here at For the People to uh, give us an opportunity to talk with you about it. Platt Technical High School in Milford has joined forces with NASA and its HUNCH program to manufacture these components for the International Space Station. Platt students, as you heard, are going to benefit from this real-world experience and insight into aerospace manufacturing and the typical difficulties that come with it. And when it's all said and done, the products that are coming out of Platt in this segment of the program and perhaps into the future uh, will be taking their place uh, on rockets heading to the International Space Station and may be permanently installed in that uh, in that facility uh, going forward, uh, once again representing uh, the great work of Connecticut and the innovations that are available to students here in Connecticut uh, throughout the technical high school system. I want to thank uh, Principal Scott Zito and Dave Tuttle. He's the department head for the manufacturing program at Platt Tech in Milford. Well, as we said in the introduction, we were starting off the program this morning and wrapping up with issues related to uh, health care. And uh, so we are going to wrap up with a brand new friend uh, to our program representing a cause that has been uh, talked about on the award winning for the people now for the uh, 27 plus years that I've been doing it. Uh, and that is the uh, Multiple Sclerosis uh, Society and uh, issues related to MS. Uh, patients in the United States spend more time with nurses than any other healthcare provider, and the quality of care that nurses provide has a direct relationship on patient outcomes. We've heard about that from a lot of our guests over the years. Uh, but we're here today to talk about MS One to One. MS One to One nurses, like our guest this morning, know firsthand the impact that their dedication can have on patients and caregivers, especially for those living with the kind of unpredictable disease like multiple sclerosis. Uh, so we are going to talk to an R and an MS certified nurse uh, named Denise Chiquin. She uh, practices out of the quiet corner up in uh, the northeastern part of the state, but uh, we're going to hear all about the program. And Denise, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, John. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me this morning. Yeah. So as we kind of uh, chatted about for a few moments before we went on the air and, and, and regular listeners and uh, know that uh, I, I have had uh, uh, a situation in my family with my mom uh, being diagnosed with MS and living with it for uh, more than 30 years. Uh, it's a horrible disease. And uh, in, in the time that I have uh, had with my mom, who is now uh, passed, 
Uh, I had an opportunity to meet a lot of other folks uh, who were diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, uh, sadly, uh, as young as in their 20s. Uh, so uh, it is a subject that touches many, many uh, hundreds, if not thousands of folks right here in Connecticut. So uh, it's very exciting to pass on the information about the MS One to One initiative. But let's talk a little bit about you first. Uh, just give us a little thumbnail on your uh, your background uh, in healthcare. Sure. Thank you. You know, I've been a nurse for uh, approximately thirty years uh, in a variety of settings. Um, you know, and throughout that uh, career path, my one love, John, was the educational piece and having uh, those one-to-one conversations with patients and their families and providing education and information to empower people. And so throughout my career, I just continued to look for opportunities to really hone in on that uh, particular aspect and here at the MS One to One program, I get to do that uh, day in and day out um, by providing education and support and information for patients and their loved ones um, who call into the MS One to One program. So I found my way uh, to a position that suits um, me perfectly and what I love, and I'm I'm thrilled and I'm honored. Yeah, as the as the introduction stated, so so many people that are engaged in debilitating diseases, including MS, and even in in, in aging and dementia, and, and the entire range of of conditions that uh, cause the need for medical care, folks are uh, are interacting uh, so much with nurses of of, of various uh, degrees and experience. But the nursing field has changed so much, and and so many of these people that I talk to today um they don't express frustration but they they are noticing how much more that nurses are drilled into a lot of the administrative duties and a lot of the hands-on care Uh, a lot of them talk about the pressures that are put on on nurses for uh things like uh um, you know, having to see a lot of patients and, and, and give a, a care to a lot of people. So it's particularly interesting to me uh, to uh, learn about uh, a return to that sort of one-on-one and somebody who's so engaged as you are with the, that sort of educational aspect because um, obviously the MS organization has recognized that uh, there, there is a need for that. So it's, it's great to hear about it. How did you, uh, how did you end up uh, learning about, uh, did, you, did you come into the MS uh, organization um, before you were uh, uh, handling this this one to one program, or uh, were you actually brought in to uh, to head up this initiative in Connecticut? You know, I was um, you know I was actually laid off from a position, John, and I was in a position where uh, I had the opportunity to start fresh and really take my time in finding a new position, and so. Uh, I found this position. Uh, there were uh, the words education and support, uh, one-to-one support all over uh, the description of the position, and I applied, and I uh, have really learned so much here in the last year and a half that I've been involved in this program. As soon as I uh, you know, was hired, I made the choice to become MS certified as a nurse, which just means that I have some additional education uh, and training with regard to MS. 
I did not have that prior. I certainly had some experience with MS patients. Mm. I was a visiting nurse uh, for 10 years and so went into patients' homes all over Northeast Connecticut. And so, you know, got to know patients personally that way. But now I'm really working, again, on that very specialized um, educational piece just with MS patients and their families. Okay. Well, give us the uh, give us the details, and I, I would I just want to remind you keep right on that that telephone um, mouthpiece so we can hear everything nice and clearly. I'm sure folks are going to be very interested in hearing uh, every detail that you have. I don't want to I don't want to lose you or have you fading uh, fading off. Um, so let's talk about this uh, MS one to one program. Uh, what types of benefits sure. are there for patients and caregivers? Well, MS One to One, it's an individualized patient support program, John, that was created by Genzyme. And so we're here to provide support and education and most of all that one-to-one feeling that someone's going to be there who cares. Um, MS One to One patients have access to a dedicated interdisciplinary team uh, to support them, but also their own dedicated one-to-one nurse who they can call, um, who knows their story, Uh, that they don't have to start over each time with a new nurse. And, you know, what makes this program unique is that there are nurses available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're here with customized support each time a patient calls. Uh, We're here with tips and information about living with MS. Uh, Certainly if a uh, patient and physician determine Uh, that a patient is going to start on a Genzyme treatment, then we're here to help them get started and to support them on that journey. And then, of course, to answer, you know, questions that care partners, spouses and partners may have because we know, as you said, you know, family members are so intimately involved in these patients' lives and in their care, we're also here to answer their questions as well. Yeah, the other thing that's really uh, exciting to hear is that uh, when individuals engage with the MS one to one program, uh, they're kind of assigned an individual that sticks with them through the process, and that 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 uh, uh, familiar voice aspect is is so critically important because it, it, because of the nature of MS and the the world of medical care that we live in nowadays. Uh, so much of the frustration that that I'm sure you hear about is born from people having to retell all the boilerplate, all the basic information Uh every time they get a new voice on the phone or they get a new face in the office. And and, and as you said, people are so uh, kind of keyed up and stressed, especially if they're working full-time and pressed into caregiving for an individual, especially with advanced MS, uh, you know, I'm sure they're they're terrified that every time they tell the story, they're going to forget the most important thing that they're trying to get across. And uh, so, this dedicated aspect of this program is wonderful. And and it it is. And patients and their loved ones, it's really reassuring to them. You know, they have um, my our toll free number. They have my extension. They can call, leave me a message. They know I'm going to return their their call um, within the hour. Um, and if I'm not there, another nurse um, who's covering for me will do that. And then there's nurses available 24-7. So it is very comforting. It's very reassuring. It means that I can advocate for them uh, very quickly and be that bridge 
for them in resolving issues um, that would be really difficult for them to have to resolve on their own. Great. If folks are just tuning in and getting ready for our music day or our programming on our radio stations, we're talking with uh, uh, Denise Chiquin. She is an RN and MS certified nurse and heading up an innovative new program available here in Connecticut called MS One to One. So uh, for the next uh, few minutes that we have left with Denise, um, uh, Denise, without getting into specifics uh, that are so unique that uh, a case uh, or, or a patient might be personally identified. C- could you find a way to talk about a couple of anecdotes or a couple of scenarios uh, of patients that you've encountered or, or that you know about that are utilizing the MS One to One program, um, and talk about the kind of uh, solutions or support that they find so valuable about participating? Sure, absolutely. Thank you, John. You know, when a patient and physician determine that a Genzyme treatment uh, is appropriate for them, um, we are there to assist them in getting started on that. And that's a very scary and exciting uh, time for a patient, especially if they're um, considering a new treatment. Uh, We're here to help uh, get them started. Uh, We have a whole team uh, that does benefit verification and will help with uh, financial assistance for qualified, you know, Genzyme patients. Uh, and so that piece alone, knowing that uh, there's an entire interdisciplinary team um, available, is such a relief for patients across the board. It's, it's not just one patient that feels the benefit there. It's, it's really widespread. And so in terms of antidotal, you know, patients are, are certainly finding just tremendous joy um, as they can begin um, new treatments and know that there is that team available there that's going to do all of that legwork um, and is going to be there to support their physician's office. And then the nurse is going to call and going to provide detailed information uh, to them and keep them posted and updated. So that's, you know, one really um, huge benefit um, that patients across the board just uh, sing the praises of the ms one program about that. Hmm. For folks, Certainly, oh, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was uh, going to say for know, folks that are that are listening, who heaven forbid may eventually uh, be faced with caregiving for an individual with MS themselves. Could you just quickly explain what the Genzyme program is? Sure. The MS One to One program is an individualized patient support program that was created by Genzyme, and so we're here to provide support an education for MS patients and their caregivers and their loved ones. Uh, We have a dedicated team, uh, but also each patient then is assigned a dedicated one-to-one nurse. Oh, yeah, no, I have that. Genzyme is what I wanted to get some clarity on. Oh, sure. Genzyme is a pharmaceutical company. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have two MS treatments available, and they've created this program. It's a very patient-centered program. The patient is at the center, at the epicenter. We, everything we do um, has the patient in mind. So if a physician and patient determine that a Genzyme treatment is appropriate, then we help them get started. But we're here uh, for all MS patients, regardless of the treatment okay. uh, that, they're, that they're on. 
Okay. And um, in in your realm of experience, um, when people are contacting the MS one-to-one program, what are some of the most frequently asked questions or the most frequent concerns that they have that you're able to uh, um, respond to them and support them through? The patients want to know, uh, you know, what I have found, John, about the MS population is there's a highly educated group of people. Um, it's a really strong advocacy groups around MS. These are uh, well-versed folks. Uh, they know what's out there in terms of support and treatment, typically, mm-hmm. and they want to talk about that. They want to talk about what's new in MS. Mm-hmm. Um, what can I be looking forward to? What can you tell me about um, MS treatments? Okay. What can you tell me about um, MS in general? Uh, in terms of what 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 we know about it now versus twenty thirty years ago. Okay, so as we wrap up, then how do folks find out more about MS One to One? Two ways: they can go online, and they're going to go to www.msonetone.com. So that's MS One to One spelled out. Mm-hmm. Then there's a toll free number that they can call. That's eight five five. Excellent. Thank you. Denise uh, Chiquin is an RN and MS certified nurse uh, here today talking about the MS one-to-one program supporting individuals uh, with MS and those who may be uh, taking uh, one of the two uh, Genzyme uh, courses of uh, of medication and therapy for their uh, multiple sclerosis. Uh, thanks so much, Denise. It was great to meet you, and best of luck with the program. You've been listening to our award-winning public affairs program for the people. The opinions expressed on this broadcast represent those of our guests and hosts and do not necessarily represent the views of Connoisseur Media. If you have a suggestion for a guest, an issue, or a community calendar item relevant to the audiences and communities we serve, you must make your request for consideration in writing via email to me at john.vocat.com at connoisseurct.com. We do not accept pitches or requests for coverage by phone. Remember, no part of this program may be copied, disseminated, or rebroadcast. Our public file reflecting the full scope of our station's responsiveness to critical issues in the communities we serve can be viewed upon request weekdays during normal business hours at 869 Blue Hills Avenue in Bloomfield. Our theme music is by Rick Miller and Scott's with original music by Noel Vayette. I'm John Boquette, Director of Public Affairs for Connoisseur Media. Join us again at this time next week for another installment of the award-winning For the People. Or listen to this and other For the People podcasts under the podcast tab at our radio station website or on iTunes. Until this time next week, thanks for listening.